Watch out. That's why we got those cases, huh, Pastor Eric? That's right, brother. The indestructible word of God. <laughs> Goodness. Guys, it's December 20th, 2017. Yeah. You guys excited about tonight? Yes! We've had a lot of fun so far. And the 12th round series is certainly a very serious topic. But the fun is not over tonight. We're going to have a good time tonight. But as we open up the word and as we talk a little bit together tonight, I'm going to need some serious help from you guys. Is that okay? Yeah. You guys willing to talk to me tonight? Are you willing to help me out a little bit? The word needs no help, but I'm going to need a little help from you guys tonight. So we, we had five messages up to this point on the 12th round. Can anybody in here tell me what the title of the first message was? I know it's been a long time. It's been a few weeks. Can, uh, you can't let Pastor Eric beat you on all these. Come on. Ring revelations and calling the round. Pastor Wave gave us an excellent word to start out this series. My favorite part, personally, about that message was this. God wants us to have clear vision so that we can deliver blows right and left as hard as we can hit. That's a pretty good foundation for the 12th round, isn't it? What was number two? What was the second message in this series? Spiritual stance. You remember all, all three of our pastors got up here? They started preaching, preached about all kinds of amazing things. Wide base, hands eye high, taking our place in the center of the ring. My personal favorite about that message, we get to the center of his ring with our mezuzah, his will, and his presence. It's not always easy to find the center, but if you have your purpose right before your eyes, if you have his will right before your eyes, and you are full of his presence and spirit, then you can attain the center of the ring. You can be right where you need to be. The third message, body shots. Pastor Eric talked to us about preaching, loving, and praying through body shots and learning how to counter to the head. You guys remember that message? Favorite part, you can't get out of the ring, so you need to learn how to fight. (laughs) Now, when you first realize that, that's quite the revelation. We are all in the ring. Whether you're sitting here tonight with us, or whether you're out there doing whatever you are in the world, we are all in the ring, and we are all a part of the fight. I want to be in the ring and not be getting my butt handed to me every day. (laughs) I want to be winning. If I'm in the fight and I get that revelation, I want to be winning. The fourth message, glass jaws and granite chins. Justin, to knock you upside the head, Treester brought us an incredible word. Man. Listen to your corner, set your gaze, wrap your hands in the word of God. That was incredible. My favorite part, this quote, to be like the rock, we must take that which is his and make it ours. We must use his word. How many of you guys tonight want to be like the rock? If you want to be like the rock tonight, the word is an essential part of being in the ring and fighting against the enemy and Satan and his demonic schemes against you and your family. Essential. The fifth message. 
Who remembers what it was called? Getting Off the Ropes ropes by Pastor Matt. Plant your feet, get off the ropes, and punch deliberately and persistently. My favorite part, if we do not obey, failure is certain. But if we do obey, it will be hard. But our defeats are only temporary. Isn't that right, Pastor Matt? Our defeats are only temporary. Man, it's been an incredible, incredible five services so far. This is the sixth one. Uh, I think I got the sixth one because nobody likes the number six and uh, its associations. So I volunteered and I'm standing up here before you today. Number six. This message is called Delivering a Punch. Amen. Are you guys ready to deliver punches tonight? Man, it's crazy. It's crazy. Because we're about to go into the clinch, and we've been learning all of these things. We've been learning how to widen our stance. We've been learning how to get to the center of the ring. We've been learning how to set our eyes on our target. We've been learning how to wrap our hands. We've been learning all these things. It should make you just so eager to deliver some punches tonight. Are you eager to deliver punches tonight? Man, I am so eager just to lay some massive punches on Satan tonight. We've got to clench first, though. There's some harsh realities that we need to get in front of our faces, that we need to get a hold of, that we need to figure out what it is that we're fighting and what kind of power he has. You guys ready to get into the clinch? Why do we clinch? Why do we need to face our enemy head on? Because of this, if you are ignoring issues in your life, issues in your family, then those issues will not go away by themselves. We have to clench against our enemy. We have to face these things. Ignorance is not bliss, family. It's not bliss. Blissful to be ignorant about your state. It's not blissful to be ignorant about what you are getting into that you should not be. Ignorance is not bliss. We need to know where we are and where our enemy is and what power he has. Let's turn to Daniel 10. This is going to be our first clinch. Got to come face to face with our enemy in order to even have a chance of gaining victory against him. We're going to start in verse 12. You guys there? Then he continued, Do not be afraid, Daniel, since the first day that you set your mind to gain understanding and to humble yourself before your God. Your words were heard, and I have come in response to them. That's pretty good, right? Don't be afraid. I'm here. I'm, I'm here in response to your words. But the prince of the Persian kingdom resisted me 21 days. Then Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me. Because I was detained there with the king of Persia. Now I have come to explain to you what will happen to your people in the future. For the vision concerns a time yet to come. Like in Daniel's life and in his prayer time, it is the Lord's will that you get answers to your prayers. It is the Lord's will that you figure out in your life what your purpose and what his will for you on any given day is. It's God's will that you find that out. Guys, Daniel, fasting, praying, praying his heart out, 
getting on his face before the Lord. It took 21 days for him to get his answer. 21 days. How often and how easy do we give up in our prayer life? How easy do we give up praying? Just, just uh, take today as an example, just praying over something. Praying, Lord, what do you want me to do? What's your will? What's my next step in direction? And tomorrow we might just forget about it. Guys, it took 21 days because there was resistance directly from the enemy. How deliberate, how persistent are you to get your answers from God? It's not God that is willing to withhold answers from you. We have an enemy that is between, that is trying to stop his answers from reaching your ears and your heart. Enemy has a little bit of power, folks. What does the Lord, what does the word say about stopping your pursuit of him? Don't. (laughs) Simply put, don't do it. We're never supposed to stop. We're always supposed to be hungering and thirsting after righteousness. We're always supposed to be seeking him. I wonder what might have happened to the messenger from the Lord if Daniel would have stopped seeking the Lord in prayer. You think he would have got his answer in 21 days? Man, there was one guy that was willing to help. Michael the archangel. Powerful man in the word. Powerful spiritual being in the word of God. 21 days. Let's look at our next clinch. Matthew 16. We're going to start in verse 21. Say there when you're there. You guys are so fast. I'll tell you what. On Sunday, Judah was beating everybody. You going to let him beat all you guys tonight? No, I'm there. This is going to be our second clinch. From that time on, Jesus began to explain to his disciples that he must Go to Jerusalem and suffer many things at the hands of the elders, chief priests, and teachers of the law, and that he must be killed and on the third day be raised to life. Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him. Never, Lord, he said. This shall never happen to you. Jesus turned and said to Peter, Get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me. You do not have in mind the things of God, but the things of men. Peter, mighty man of God, had satanic thoughts wrapped up in his mind. Satanic thoughts. Do you guys know that Satan has the power to plant thoughts in your head that are not of God? Do you know that he has the power not to control what you think about during the day, but has the power to implant little thoughts? They start small. But they certainly can grow big if you continue to dwell on them. He's got power to control what you think about in an instant. Isn't that a sobering thought to you? There are thoughts that come into your mind that you did not put there. Satan has the ability to plant these seemingly harmless thoughts or ideas into your mind. They can grow to something that can kill you or even worse, make you a stumbling block to your brother. I've been clinching with the enemy this week. Are you ready to hear some of the satanic thoughts that I have heard in this church over the last week or two? Because in prayer yesterday, I sat down and prayed to God, and he showed me some things. Are you ready to hear some of these satanic thoughts that way too easily creep in? 
Guys, some of these satanic thoughts come from some of the sweetest saints that I have ever known. Sweetest saints. You ready to hear? This is my top ten. Number ten. You're not wanted or needed here in this church. That's a lie. That is a lie from the pit of hell. A lie. Number nine. If your family fully engages in discipleship like you're called to, then your wife will be unhappy and your kids won't have a good childhood. Also a lie. These are thoughts, satanic thoughts, that Satan is planting in some of our heads. You can reward yourself with a free day, number seven, number eight rather, where you don't pray as hard and you don't read your Bible and you don't discipline your children like the word says because you've just been so godly lately and you deserve to reward yourself. That's satanic. Number seven, you are going to fail because you don't have what it takes to persevere in order to succeed in the long term. Not true. It's not true. That's a lie. We need to start clenching with these things. You have your ears open tonight? Next one. You don't have to be the same person at home that you are at church. Just, you can act some way in front of the brothers, but you don't have to be that way in the privacy of your own home. If you submit to your husband, then you'll never be happy. That's definitely not true. <laughs> can tell you firsthand that's not true. Babe, back me up. Amen. Can, we, can we get an amen out of the ladies? <laughs> can we get a better amen out of the ladies? Amen. Number five, you have a condition that prevents you from being godly like you should be. But that's okay. That's okay. Number four, you can miss church services, foundations, and even significant church events like the New Year's Eve bonfire and still be taken as seriously as you should be by the committed body here. Number three, getting close to number one, you didn't listen to your pastors or brothers in your corner, but that's okay. Sweep the past under the rug and maybe you'll listen to them tomorrow. That is from the pit of hell. Number two, you don't need to take responsibility for that sin because that wasn't your heart. Sorry, that was number one. Wasn't your heart. (laughs) We could do it again if you want to. All right. You don't need to take responsibility for that sin because that just wasn't your heart. We, tonight, are not going to stay willingly ignorant. We're not going to. We're going to clench with our enemy tonight. We're going to come face to face with the battles that we've been having. And we are going to throw some deliberate, persistent punches tonight. Before we do that, we've got two more clenches. Are you ready for them? Clench number three, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14. These are some sobering thoughts. And no wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. It is not surprising then if his servants masquerade masquerade as servants of righteousness. Their end will be what their actions deserve. 
you got to ask yourself, how did these wicked servants get the way that they got? How did they start working for the enemy? How did they start masquerading as servants of righteousness and light? Well, it's, it's real easy. They did not clench. They did not turn. And they did not mount the offensive. You know, the easiest way to fall, the easiest way to make yourself into a servant of unrighteousness and wickedness is to absolutely just do nothing with what Satan is attacking you with. Nothing. Absolutely just stand still. Just take the punches. Don't fight back. Of course, that's not what we're encouraging you to do tonight. No, it's not. When you are masquerading as a servant of righteousness and you look in the mirror, you see righteousness. See, masquerading, these... If you are this person... You don't necessarily know that you're masquerading masquerading as a servant of unrighteousness. You actually look into the mirror and you see righteousness because that's the mask that you're wearing. You can even go so far as to be self-deceived in this, thinking that you are righteous, but you are really unrighteous working for Satan. Did you remember what the last part of verse 15 said? Their end will be what their actions deserve. These type of people will get what their lack of righteous action deserves. Do you have a lack of righteous action tonight? Have you been getting punches thrown at you with no righteous action to rebut them? That's not going to be us tonight. We are going to throw some punches in the house of God tonight. We are going to defeat this. The fourth and final clench. 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Turn over one page. Verse 7. To keep me from becoming conceited because of these surpassingly great revelations, there was given me a thorn in my flesh, a messenger of Satan to torment me. Oh man, this one is a hard pill to swallow. The the fact of the matter is is that you're not always going to get healed. You're not always going to walk around with a completely healed and healthy body. Satan himself can send messengers of torment in your physical body. He has the power to do that kind of stuff. You may have something that you're dealing with right now that is making you weaker, but it's time to face the fact that your enemy might be succeeding you, might be succeeding in weakening you in the physical. It's not time to despair. Family, it's time to clench, to know what the enemy has against us, to know what he wants to bring against us, what he wants to defeat us with. It's time to rise up. Look, knowing that Satan can plant thoughts in your head, knowing that Satan has servants masquerading in the midst of the righteous, and knowing that Satan can weaken you in the physical, even to the place of torment, You might be tempted to wallow in your own despair. But don't despair tonight. You're going to see those three sobering thoughts again. But you're going to throw punches at them and you are going to be victorious tonight. Guys, it's time to make the turn. It's time to make the turn. We've been clenching with the enemy 
for several minutes now? It's time to turn. Do you guys remember what some of these pastors' turn scriptures were? Do you remember what the Stevens had as their turn scripture? Deuteronomy 32, 3 through 4. You don't have to turn there. I just want to remind you. The Lord's works are perfect. He does no wrong. There's wrong being done to him. It is not by his hand. It is not his action or inaction that is causing that wrong. Anybody remember what the Piro's turn scripture was? 23.14 Not one of the Lord's promises will fail. <laughs> Are you going to keep fighting and see those promises? Are you going to keep fighting and see those promises? Not one of them will fail if you keep throwing punches. Somebody give me the Sutherland scripture. Psalm 16, 5 through 6. My boundary lines have fallen in very pleasant places. Amen. Is that you tonight? I want to give you a personal turn scripture. One that our family has been using for about four years now. It comes from Genesis 45. We're going to start in verse 5. This is Joseph talking to his brothers. They meet again after many years. Joseph tells them, and now do not be distressed. Do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here, because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. For two years now there has been famine in the land, and for the next five years there will not be plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you to preserve for you a remnant on earth and to save your lives by a great deliverance. Whatever Satan has tried to hit you with, the Lord can and will turn it for his very purposes. Look at Joseph, separated from his family, thrown into a pit, sold into slavery, went to jail, had false accusations against him that caused him to go to jail. Joseph clenched with the enemy. He made that turn, and he started throwing punches back. Let's not forget about Joseph's brothers. They are experiencing a famine in the land. They're experiencing death all around them because there's no food, fearing for their very lives. This was Satan's will, not God's. But our God is ultimately sovereign. Somebody repeat that after me. Ultimately sovereign. Ultimately sovereign. Our God is ultimately sovereign. Making those desperate situations turn for His good and for their good. It's Amen. going to happen in our lives because our God is ultimately sovereign. He will be victorious. He will get the upper hand. He will destroy the wickedness that is going on in your life Amen. right now. He will. Considering these horrendous situations, are not your situations really just a little bit, are not your situations uh, surmountable? Yes. Are you able to conquer considering what these kind of men went through? Yes. I believe so. Yes. In fact, I know that you are. Yes. Let's keep making the turn. I want to share a quick testimony with you. Uh, you guys know that Sam and I just had our fifth miscarriage last week. We were sitting on Saturday. 
And uh, my wife, I'm, I'm so proud of the way that uh, she is persistent. Yeah. So proud of the way that she is constantly encouraging, that she's using the word to deal with uh, these attempts and attacks of our enemy. We're sitting there on Sunday morning, and uh, we're thinking about what, what happened over the past week. And uh, we are bathing ourselves in the word of God. And we get to John 16, Can you put that verse on the screen for us? I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. It's a promise, guys. You're not a Christian if you don't have trouble. You will have trouble. But take heart. I have overcome the world. We start looking into this take heart. This take heart because that's exactly what we want to do in this kind of situation. When we're feeling defeated when we're feeling like the world is crumbling around us, when we're feeling a little bit shaky on His promises, we want to take heart. That's the goal. And so we start looking into that word and we find the cognate in the Hebrew of this phrase, take heart. It shows up the very first time in the Older Testament in Genesis 35, 17. Can you please put that one on the screen? We're sitting in bed and this is what we read. And as she was having great difficulty in childbirth, the midwife said to her, Don't be afraid, for you have another son. Come on, somebody! Don't be afraid, for you have another son. Not you're going to have another son, not this one in your future. You have it. See, God's promises are as good as done. They are done if you keep persevering. If you keep going, they're they're as good as done. You can bank on them. You have another son. Amen. We started making the turn. Yes. You got to make the turn too. Let's keep going. Satan might have landed a few punches on you. It's true. They might have hurt terribly. I know how they feel. But God's will will prevail. Amen. Don't let yourself be disheartened. And do not let Satan see you wince. Don't let him see you hurt. You smile through the pain. You smile through the trial. You don't let him see that he hurt you. We are more than conquerors through him who loved us. Let me ask you guys before we start mounting the offensive tonight. What's your personal turn scripture? That moment where everything's just kind of coming in. Everything seems to be going wrong. Everything seems to be crashing around you. The promises are a little shaky. What's your turn scripture? What are you going to? What are you whipping out in that moment of great need? You need a turn scripture. You need to be able to, after you know, after you've clenched with the enemy and you know what he's capable of, you know what is even maybe inflicted upon you, you've got to be able to make the turn somehow with the word of God. What's your personal turn scripture? You guys ready to mount the offensive? Yes. We're talking tonight about delivering a punch. I, I, I could not be any more excited about this topic. Amen. Delivering a punch to the enemy. Amen. It's what we all dream about doing on a daily basis. Yeah. <laughs> we've wrapped our hands. We've gotten off the ropes. We've widened our stance. We're standing in the middle of the ring. We've got our 
we've got our hands eye high. It is time to land that punch. Our corner is screaming, throw the punch! Throw the punch! Please throw the punch! Are you ready to throw the punch tonight? Yes! We are going to look at three different punches tonight that you can throw at Satan. And it can be tonight that you start throwing these punches. Are you guys excited? Are you with me? We're going to start with a punch called the uppercut. The uppercut. I assure you, you do not have to be familiar with boxing to to, uh, get what we're about to do here. You don't have to be familiar with the sport to to, uh, have an understanding of what we're about to go over because we're going to explain it. We're going to have visuals. We're going to figure this out together. The uppercut is an amazing punch to throw at Satan. Amazing. Let's go to Ephesians 4. We're going to start at Ephesians 4. Because before you even throw a punch, you're going to have to figure out how to make a fist. Yeah. Everybody, put your, put your fist in the air. Before you throw a punch, you're going to have to figure out how to make this. Because this is what's going to deliver the blow to the enemy. You ready? Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to start in 11. This is what God's fist looks like. How can we learn from this? There's a plethora of knowledge to learn from this. It was he, we're talking about Jesus here, who gave some to be. Did you guys know that the fist of God, the fivefold ministry, was actually a gift? It was a gift from Jesus to his church on this planet. How much more does that make you thankful for the fivefold ministry that you have sitting in your midst today? It was a gift from Jesus himself to give us fivefold. That fist on the earth is a gift from Jesus to his church. Some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service. This is really, really important. Because just as our corner was screaming out earlier, it's time to throw a punch, our corner has been screaming out a lot of stuff. Our corner's been trying to get our attention for a long time. The fivefold ministry, the gift of Jesus to his church, has been trying to tell us a lot of things. Maybe we've been just so wrapped up in our enemy and clenching with him that we haven't been able to, to get a little distance from him so we can hear our corner clearly. The corner has a lot of good things to say, a lot of godly things to say. In fact, The corner has been where we stand right now. Our corner has been in the ring fighting for decades before we even came to the faith for most of us. Our corner's got a lot of good things to say. We are going to listen to our corner. You are going to listen to your corner. If you do, then you'll be getting prepared for your works of service. When you listen to your corner, that's preparation for your own works of service in the kingdom. Look at the next line. So that the body of Christ may be built up. You are going to listen to your corner. Then you'll be being built up as the very body of Christ. Having having trouble finding your spot here? Start listening to your corner more. You need to. Until we all reach unity in the faith, 
and in the knowledge of the Son of God. You're going to listen to your corner. Then you'll be unified in faith and knowledge with the rest of this body. Man, I just feel so awkward. I just feel out of place sometimes. When you have your ears listening to your corner, that unification of faith is right there along with you. And become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. You are going to listen to your corner. Then you'll be maturing and looking more and more like Christ. Who wants to mature and look like Christ in the house of God tonight? Let's listen to our corner, everybody. Let's listen to our corner. It's time to open up our ears. It's time to get that separation from the clinch, that separation from Satan. Start listening to what our corner is saying. Then, verse 14, we will no longer be infants, tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching. Back and forth, here and there. Getting something. Does that remind you of, of something that Treister said in his last message? Maybe something about your head rocking back and forth with a punch? You remember this quote? Knockout blows are mostly dealt to the side of the face, rattling the brain with concussive force. Not listening to your corner makes you unstable and vulnerable to a knockout. Rattles you side to side, back and forth, here and there. We don't want to be knocked out by our enemy. We need to listen to our corner. You remember that the, in the clinch that Satan has his servants masquerading in the midst of the righteous, this is how that masquerading servant is you. It's how it becomes you. It's when you get rocked back and forth. It's when you get that jarring blow and you hit the mat. You get that defeat and you stay there. You can be in the midst of the righteous thinking that you're righteous. Not knowing that you're not. Because you have no righteous actions to show for it. We're going to fix this. Yes. By being stable and vulnerable with our brothers. Yes. Instead of being stable and vulnerable with Satan. Wow. Amen? Okay. We're going to be stable and vulnerable to what our corner is saying. What our pastors, what the fivefold is saying, what our brothers in the seats next to us are saying. We're going to be vulnerable with them and no longer vulnerable with the enemy. We're going to get that strength back. We're going to hear, hear with our ears and do with our hands righteous acts that were meant for us. Let's go to 2 Corinthians 6. As we turn to this next scripture, we're going to start in verse 11. I want you to imagine your pastors, the very fist of God, beckoning to you with this scripture. I want you to put yourself as the recipient of this scripture and put your pastors as those who are saying it to you. We have spoken freely to you, LCM, and open wide our hearts to you. Is that true? Yes. Have they spoken freely to us? Have they opened up? Their hearts, their houses, their lives, their families, everything that they have. Why to us? We are not withholding our affection from you, but you are withholding yours from us. Oh, 
don't be in that category tonight. Don't be in the category of withholding your affection from the very thing that will save you. As a fair exchange, I speak as to my children, open wide your hearts also. We're going to open up our hearts tonight. Can you put that first slide up, please? Which punch are we talking about right now? This is a form-fitting uppercut punch right here. Can you guys see that? Beautiful, beautiful form. Got the torso rotated. Got that punch right here on the jaw. Can you imagine receiving one of those? Oh my goodness gracious. That would hurt so bad. When you throw one of these uppercuts, your rear hand, this one, so you've got your front hand here, your rear hand here, your rear hand is propelled upwards in a rising arc towards your opponent's chin, as you can see right there. You can go on to the next one, Pastor. Oh! A punishing uppercut. It's got the devil on the mat. You guys want to deliver one of those? Come on. I want to deliver one of those tonight. So the real question is, how in the world does listening to your corner have to deal with delivering one of these uppercuts right to the chin of your enemy? Well, it's, it's this. You've got to learn how to take it to the chin from your brothers first. Take it to the chin from those in your corner first so that you do not get knocked out by your enemy. Guys, if if you can learn how to take it from the chin and correction from your corner, this will not happen to you. This, this getting down on the mat, this falling, this failure will not happen to you if you learn how to get that glass jaw into granite, so to speak. So are you guys ready to throw the uppercut to Satan? Are you ready to hit him square in the jaw by making yourself vulnerable to your brothers and not vulnerable to Satan? Are you ready to hit him by repenting to your brothers tonight for your inaction? Hmm. That one's a little bit harder. We can say from this point on, we're going to listen to our corner. What about what happened last week? Are we throwing uppercuts by getting our relationships in this body correct? What about hitting him by acting on previous counsel that you've neglected? Are you ready to throw an uppercut tonight based on what you did hear from your corner and you did not do in your life? Because that is a punishing uppercut to the enemy. Oh, when you actually go back and and go back through your mind about what your corner has said to you, and you actually go and you do it, that is a ferocious uppercut to Satan. Ferocious. If you're ready to throw some uppercuts, then repeat after me tonight. I will be vulnerable with my brothers. I will be vulnerable with my brothers. I will repent for my sin with this tonight. I will repent for my sin with this tonight. I will act on previous counsel. Guys, don't miss your opportunity to throw the uppercut tonight. Don't miss your opportunity. We've got to move on to the second punch. 
We gotta move on to the jab. We gotta move on to the jab. You ready to jab? Yes. Let's get that jab slide, Tara. That is a jab. Goodness. Caught his enemy by surprise, you could say. That guy on the right, he got a little bit too close. He got within arm's length and he is, he is suffering from it with a punishing jab to the face. The jab is an amazing punch. It's quick. It's straight. It's thrown with the lead hand from the guard position, just like that. The jab is accompanied by a small clockwise rotation of the torso and hips, while the fist rotates 90 degrees, becoming horizontal upon impact. The jab, this is important, the jab is the most important punch in a boxer's arsenal because it provides a fair amount of its own cover and it leaves the least amount of space for a counterpunch from your opponent. The jab is essential. You've got to have this in your arsenal. It provides cover and it leaves no space for a counterattack from your enemy. Your jab keeps the enemy farther than an arm's length away from you and your family. Do you see that guy on the right? He's farther away now and he's still going back. There's, there, there might be a small recovery for him, but that jab puts him arm's length plus away from you and away from your family. Do you care about your family? Yes. We're going to have to learn how to jab tonight. Amen. Let's get that, that next jab slide, Tara. Look at these jabs. You see? You see three jabs in a row. Boom, boom, boom. His enemy's get, he's getting closer? No. I'm not going to let you into my corner. I'm not, not going to let you into my space. I'm not going to let you into my family's space. I'm going to jab you out of here. That's what we want to do tonight. So do you want to learn how to cover yourself and your family while protecting all of you from further blows from Satan? Yes. Let's go to Ephesians 5. Let's figure out how we can do this in the Word. Husbands, this is a special one for you. Special. Ephesians 5.25. Husbands, love your wives. Love them. Just as Christ loved the church. Come on, that shouldn't be so hard. Love your wives. And gave himself up for her to make her holy. This part might be a little harder. Cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Guys, that's just as much part of love as what we're all thinking. Cleansing your wife with the word. Washing her on a daily basis with the word of God. You see, because Satan is able to put thoughts in your head, do you think Satan's not also able to put thoughts in your wife's head? Do you think Satan's not able to put thoughts in your little three-year-old daughter's head or your nine-year-old son's head or whatever, whatever you got at your house, whatever kids you're over? Guys, he can do it. But this is what we're going to do. We're going to jab him out of there. I have an attractive wife. You all can see it. You all know it. That's one of those thoughts that comes straight from the heavens. Yeah, Sam's attractive. 
But you better believe that none of you guys going to come between arm's length of her. It's not going to happen. Because I'm going to jab you the heck out of there. Guys, do you think of your wife in this way? Are you willing and able and present to jab whatever threats might be coming against your wife and to jab them away because it is your responsibility? Your responsibility. Don't let those satanic thoughts grab a foothold in your family. Don't let it happen. Husbands, I know you want a hot wife with no spiritual stains, wrinkles, or blemishes. Don't let her get beat up by Satan. Wash her with the word. Throw those jabs. Get Satan away from her and her thoughts. Proverbs chapter 3. Start, amen. We're going to start in verse 1. Not just your wife that we need to protect here, not just her beautiful spiritual state. My son, verse 1, do not forget my teaching, but keep my commands in your heart, for they will prolong your life many years and bring you prosperity. The commandments that you plant in the hearts of your children will be future jabs for them against their enemy. Amen. It doesn't matter how young they are. Got a uh, the reassor is not here tonight. We've got a whole reassor of family, from the oldest to the youngest. They've got they're carrying their Bibles around. Yeah. They've got scripture cards. Chris is loading them up with jabs that they're able to use today and in the future and for generations to come to prolong their spiritual life because they will make it because their father in the spiritual and in the natural is equipping them with jabs against the enemy. What about Josiah? Been hearing that he's memorizing some rather lengthy passages of scripture lately. That is so encouraging to me. So encouraging to the rest of our body. That Josiah can sit down with the word of God and he can learn how to jab Satan from such a young age. That man is going to be a warrior in the kingdom and he will know how to throw punches as he grows up. You remember in the clench that Satan has the power to plant thoughts in your head? You remember that? If he can do that for you and your whole family, this is important to learn the jab. So right now, We're going to jab back a little bit, but in a good way. Husbands, if you're sitting by your wife, reach over and grab her. Grab your wife. Come on, reach over. Tell her I love you and I'm going to protect you with the word of God. I love you and I'm going to protect you with the word of God. Yeah, when your kids kids get back from children's church, husbands and wives, grab them. Grab them. Say, I love you, children, and I am going to protect you with the word of God. I love you, children. I'm going to protect you with the word of God. Feels good to throw a jab every once in a while. Every time you bring out the word of God, you are jabbing Satan where it hurts. And you're covering and protecting your own family. Are you ready to throw some more jabs at the enemy? Because we're not quite done with this jab topic. You see... There was a top 10 list 
that we clinched with earlier. You guys remember that or you, you already forgot it? No, there was a serious top ten list of satanic thoughts that we clenched with earlier. You guys ready to throw some jabs? Yes. I'm going to need Chuck Norris, please. We're going to need to throw some jabs tonight to the enemy. You see that form? You need that form tonight. It keeps going and going and going and going and going and going, and it never stops. That's how our jabs are supposed to be. <laughs> Number 10. We're going to go through these so there's a little refresher and we're going to jab to the enemy. I, I just want you guys to listen to these. You're not wanted or needed here in this church. 1 Corinthians 12, 21 and 22. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. Get off me, Satan. I'm indispensable to this body. That's right. There's no way that I'm not needed or not wanted here. I belong here. And I am indispensable to what this body of, of believers and this body of Christ is doing today. I'm indispensable and I'm not going anywhere. In fact, I'm going to jab you back right now. Amen. Satanic thought. Number nine, if your family fully engages in discipleship like you're called to, then your wife will be unhappy and your kids won't have a good childhood. We're going to pull out Deuteronomy 11. Amen. We're going to jab with verses 13 through 15 tonight. So if you faithfully obey the commands I am giving you today, fully engage to love the Lord your God and to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, then I will send rain on your land in its season, both autumn and spring rains. That's interesting that autumn is before spring. It's almost like you have to go through that darker period to get to the lush period of your yeah. life. Autumn and spring rains, so that you may gather in your grain, new wine, and oil. I will provide grass in the fields for your cattle, and you will eat and be satisfied. Amen. You see, it's never up to you to provide in those ways. If you fully commit, you'll be provided for. Your wife will be provided for. That's right. Your children will be provided for. That's right. Everybody under your care will be provided for, and not by you. The Lord God himself will send the rains that you need. The Lord God himself will send the crops that you need. He will give you the grains in season. He'll give you everything that you need. That's good. Guys, fully commit to this body, man. Amen. Fully commit to this body. Throw that jab. Number eight, you can reward yourself with a free day when you don't pray as hard, you don't read your Bible, you don't discipline your children like the word says. Because you've just been so godly lately, or times have just been so hard lately, you deserve to reward yourself. Proverbs 6, verse 10 and 11. A little sleep. A little slumber. Just a little folding of the hands to rest. And poverty will come on you like a bandit, and scarcity like an armed man. Get away from me, Satan. I'm not going to take the day off. It's not time to take days off. This is the season to sow and to reap and to plant and to get the harvest from my king. 
I am not going to take days off. I don't deserve. I'm not entitled to. This is not how I live because I'm the same person everywhere that I go. We're going to get to that one. We're going to get to that one. Number seven, you are going to fail because you don't have what it takes to persevere in order to succeed in the long term. That is satanic. Let me tell you why. Second Peter chapter 1, verse 3. His divine power has given us everything. everything. Wait, wasn't there something left out in that statement? No, nothing was left out. His divine power has given us everything we need for life and godliness through our knowledge of Him who called us by His own glory and goodness. Everything. Remember that message that Mike preached a while ago? All means all. All of you. Everything of Him is available to you. He's given you everything you need, church. Nothing is left out. You're not going to fail. You're not going to fail. Get your eyes off the clench. You don't have to be the same person at home that you are at church. Let's go to Philippians. Well, don't go there. Philippians 2, chapter, chapter 2, verse 12. Therefore, my dear friends, as you have always obeyed, not only in my presence, but now much more in my absence. Right. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. Continue to work out your salvation with fear and trembling. When is that moment when you've just arrived? When you've worked it all out, you figured it all out. You don't have to be much more away than you are here. That point never arrives in your walk with the Lord, ever. We're always working out. We're always figuring out how to be much more in the absence of our fivefold ministry than we are with. And that, that sits well with you, doesn't it? We're going to do better yes. without than with. Number five, if you submit to your husband, then you'll never be happy. Yeah, I did hear that one. Romans eight thirteen. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. See, the case is, is that you might never really be happy because you're not submitting. If you, by the power of God, put those misdeeds to death, then you will live. You will have life to the fullest measure. God will lavish his life, his joy, his peace, everything that he has, everything on you when you do this right. Wives, some of you don't know what you're missing. That's the truth. You don't know what it would be like if when your husband asked you something that was hard, if you just responded with joy instead of arguing and whining and complaining. Get away from the clench and learn to throw the jab. Amen. Number four, you have a condition that prevents you from being godly like you should be. But that's okay. 1 Corinthians 10.13 No temptation has seized you except what is common to man. Common. 
what you're experiencing, whatever your situation, I assure you, I assure you, it's not different from what the rest of this body is experiencing. I assure you. The, the circumstances might be tweaked slightly, but I assure you that you, along with all of us sitting in this room, are in the same boat of trials and sufferings. You are not unique in that way. God is faithful. He will not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Guys, God's got this. He's got this for you. He's got your life. When you are tempted, He, God Himself, will provide a way out so that you can stand up under it, the temptation. God's got this for you. Are you willing to throw that jab in the time where the devil just wants you to clinch? The devil just wants to get you in a place to knock you out. Also to this is a good one, Philippians 4.13. I can do everything. Somebody say everything again. Everything. I like when you say everything. I can do everything through him who gives me strength. See, there's nothing, nothing, nothing that you're experiencing now that you cannot do with his strength. Nothing. Number three, you can miss church services. You can miss foundations. You can even miss significant church events like the New Year's Eve bonfire and still be taken as seriously as you should be by the committed body here. Lie. Luke 19, verses 5 and 9. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must Stay at your house today. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. Do not miss your opportunity today to do for the Lord what he's asking you to do. You see, this was a very specific spot, very specific time. Today was the opportunity for Zacchaeus. Man, he could have missed that so easily just like that. You just want to walk right on by him. Guys, you have opportunities daily that you cannot miss. You can't miss those opportunities. And if you do, you can't expect it to be taken seriously. I love Zacchaeus because he seized his moment. Today, tomorrow, the next day, you have moments to seize. Number two, you didn't listen to your pastors or brothers in your corner, but that's okay. Sweep the past under the rug, and maybe you'll listen to them tomorrow. Matthew 5, 24. Leave your gift there in front of the altar. First go and be reconciled to your brother. Then come and offer your gift. We can't sweep these things under the rug, church. That's a lie from the enemy. So many times we say something, we do something, we ignore something that we know that we shouldn't have, and we feel convicted. Maybe we allow ourselves to be convicted for a couple minutes. Maybe we allow ourselves to be convicted for a day or maybe even a week. If you're not committed to what Matthew 5.24 says, to leave your gift and go and be reconciled with your brother, if you're not committed to that kind of lifestyle, then you get in the habit of sweeping things under the rug and thinking that it's okay. And guys, it's not okay. It's not okay. Every time you sweep something under the rug, there is weakness that is being built up. 
inside of you. There is disharmony, discord, disunity that is being formed between you and the rest of your brothers in this body. Tonight might be the night that you throw a jab. You throw the jab back and you say, yeah, I'm not going to let this rest. Uh, My flesh really wants me to. I might be embarrassed by it. Ah, I don't don't really want to talk to this brother. Don't really want to talk to this sister. Tonight's the night that you throw the jab and you get everything back in shalom and back in order in your life. Amen. Number one. Number one. You don't need to take responsibility for that sin. Because that was just your heart. That, That wasn't what's in your heart. Guys, how many times have we said something like this? That's, that's, not what, that's not what my heart, that's not what's in there though. I did that, I said that, I made that weird face, but that's not what's in my heart. I, I love you. Psalm 36, 1 through 2. An oracle is within my heart concerning the sinfulness of the wicked. There is no fear of God before his eyes. For in his own eyes, he flatters himself too much to detect or hate his sin. Not taking responsibility for your own actions is actually, actually just an opportunity to flatter yourself. And when you flatter yourself in that way, you don't hate your sin. You can't even detect your sin at that point. Let's get it right tonight. Amen. Let's get it right tonight. Yes. Mentally, think about this. Mentally, are you still in the clinch? With these satanic thoughts, or are you moving past them? Are you already using the word of God to, to jab and to create that space with your enemy? Come on, guys. We just went through ten of these. I don't want to waste your time. Are you already using the jab of Scripture to push those satanic thoughts out of your mind? They don't belong there. It's time to stop dwelling in the clench. Turn and mount the offensive. The last punch, last punch of the night, it's the hook. Mm. Remember our fight with Satan and his ability to weaken you in the physical that we talked about during the clinch? Came from 2 Corinthians chapter 12. Let's go back there and revisit that for a second. 2 Corinthians 12, we will start in verse 9. But he, the Lord, said to me, My grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses, so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, hardships, persecutions, and difficulties, For when I am weak, then I am strong. Do you believe tonight that His grace is sufficient for you in your situation, in your weakness? Do you believe it? Do you really believe that He can fill you with His power in your weakened state? Not after it, in it. Do you believe that tonight? He can and He will, church. Satan does have the power to weaken you in the physical. And... This is a chance for God's perfect power to be on display in your life. Are you ready to throw that hook? You ready to throw that hook? You ever heard of the term heavy leather in boxing? It's okay if you haven't. Heavy leather. 
You got a really heavy, heavy glove. Got a lot of leather on it. Guys, there's a way that we can get heavy gloves. With heavy gloves, you can deliver heavier punches. There's a way we can do that. Every weakness you ever had, the Lord has turned into heavier and heavier gloves to deliver a hook so ferocious and so powerful that will land right in Satan's face. Every weakness, you just chalk it up to a heavier glove. I'm getting heavier leather in this weakness. You just wait. I'm, I'm throwing that hook. You just wait for that hook. It's coming to you, Satan. Put up that hook slide, please, Terry. When throwing a hook, the torso and the hips are rotated, propelling the fist through a tight arc across the front of the body and connecting with the target. The hook is a powerful punch with knockout power. You guys hear that? The hook is a powerful punch with knockout power. How we doing, Tara? It's all good. With the hook, you're offended by what Satan has gotten on you. And it's time to land something big. You guys offended with some of the things that Satan's got on you? It's time to land something big right to his face. It's time to give that hook right back to him. Let's go to Judges chapter 16. We're going to land that hook. Right here, we're going to land it. Start in verse 27. Now the temple was crowded with men and women. All the rulers of the Philistines were there. And on the roof were about 3,000 men and women watching Samson perform. It wasn't just Samson. It wasn't just with Samson that people were watching. You see, we're in the middle of the ring too. There's a heavenly pantheon, says Hebrews 12, verse 1, that is watching how we are fighting in this ring, watching how we are doing in this fight. As there, there are thousands upon thousands that are watching what you do here and what you do away from this place. That ought to propel you, propel you into integrity, propel you into the fight. Then Samson prayed to the Lord, O sovereign Lord, remember me. O God, please strengthen me just once more and let me with one blow get revenge on the Philistines for my two eyes. You see, the enemy had taken something from Samson and he wanted revenge. It was time for the powerful punch with knockout power, the hook. You guys see how graphic that is? Powerful punch with knockout power. Can you go to the next one, Sarah? Go to verse 29. Then Samson reached toward the two central pillars in which the temple stood, bracing himself against them, his right hand on the one and his left hand on the other. Samson said, let me die with the Philistines. Then he pushed with all his might and down came the temple on the rulers and all the people in it. Some of you, when we're talking about this, oh man, look at that punch for a second. See that face turn? When we're talking about Samson in the temple, some of you might picture Samson 
between the pillars with his hands like this. See, when I read this yesterday, I pictured Samson in a completely different position. I pictured Samson throwing some hooks back in revenge for what Satan had taken from him. You see, he put his arms around those two pillars, just like he was about to throw hooks with his right hand and with his left hand, and he pushed with all of his might, and he hit the enemy. He hit the enemy. And the temple came down with a great crash, and he was victorious that day. Victorious. Are you ready to throw the hook to Satan like Samson did? Are you ready to turn your despair into delight? Come on. Are you ready for it? Are you ready to get revenge on Satan for the pain and death he has inflicted on you? Repeat after me, church. I will delight in the trials that are hard. My Father is giving me strength. I will get revenge for what Satan has stolen. Stand up with me. Tara, can you put James 5 on the board, please? 5 through 7. This was our scripture of the night. Or do you think scripture says without reason that the spirit he caused to live in us envies intensely? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says God opposes the proud but gives grace to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you, church. He will flee from your family, church. He will flee from your situation, church. Tonight, tonight I believe the Spirit is pouring out his grace on you to deliver a punishing blow to your enemy. Tonight, if you have humble eyes to see it, he's giving his grace to you. His grace tonight is the power not just over your enemy, but it's the power over your own sin. Your enemy's going down. Your own sin is going down tonight. What about the uppercut? Have you been less than vulnerable with your brothers, thus making yourself vulnerable to the enemy? Is there some repentance to your brothers that you know you need to take care of tonight? Do you need to give Satan an uppercut to the face by acting on previous counsel that you have neglected? The time is now to hit with an uppercut. Amen. What about the jab? Have you neglected the washing of your wife and children in the word? You're causing them to be vulnerable to satanic desires and attacks that should not be hitting the mark, and yet they are. Maybe you even didn't really know why. It's time to start consistently landing jabs on Satan and forcefully fixing what you have neglected. Satan is forceful, but you need to initiate with much more force with the Word of God. You struggle with any of those satanic top ten thoughts that we went over? It's time to put them to rest at this altar tonight. Jab back with Scripture and get Satan out of your head and out of your family. What about the hook? Have you had enough of being the victim tonight? Are you tired of sitting in despair? It's time to throw your hook. Delighting in the difficulties in your life. 
knowing that your father is giving you strength. Literally turning your enemy's face and jaw away from you to some other target because that's what we saw the hook doing. Enemy's face and jaw completely turned away. Turn the enemy away from you tonight. Resist him and he will flee. 